If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest mentor of the week is a sales efficiency expert. Mark Jamnick is the founder of Systemized Sales, a sales process company that helps sales professionals follow a proven home story sales success program to help them double sales. After a decade in media sales, working in corporate America with Fortune 500 companies, Mark set his sights on becoming a sales coach. In 2012, he became one of 100 Tony Robbins coaches in the world. Since he began coaching, he has directly mentored and motivated over 300 CEOs, managers, and sales professionals from all over the globe. His simplifier title says it all. He helps sales professionals simplify their sales efforts on prospects most likely to buy to maximize sales efficiencies. Mark has spoken at TEDx conferences. He's hosted the Home Story podcast on Money Radio and appeared on Entrepreneur on Fire. Mark, welcome to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. I am honored. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of sales efficiency strategies with all of your listeners. Excellent. You've got a great history, so many fabulous things that have happened to you over the years. But let's look at our listeners need to sell both themselves and their book. Yet many of them fear that whole idea of what they think of as being salesy. In other words, as you call it, that sales may be being a bad word. What are some simple strategies you could recommend to help them overcome this? That's a great question. And that is something that personally, as I would say a lifelong salesperson, I hit a wall about 10 years ago after the great economic recession. And ultimately, where it was, was I had been in sales my entire life, yet what I was struggling with was that whole idea of not being a good salesperson. And I would imagine that several of your listeners out there could relate to that, where they're like, well, I'm not really a good salesperson. I do this. I'm a writer, right? All of those things that they say about themselves. And at the same time, what I would say is, if you don't think that you're good in sales, if you've never talked to someone about a a favorite TV show or a favorite movie or even a, a favorite song of yours where you had someone listen to it, that's sales. And I think so often sales gets worked up with some of the, you know, and I'm going to use the cliche of the used car salesman, unfortunately. And, you know, not to say that they're all bad. The thing is, though, it seems like a lot of people relate sales to that icky, I'm going to use the word icky, you know, sales process. And, and ultimately, it's, it's the idea of trying to sell someone, even though that might not be in the best interest. And so what I would say for all of your listeners is they're listening, in your heart of hearts, why did you start to write what you're writing? And that 
is your gift that you want to share with others. And that gift is the gift that the world needs to hear. And so as you're going and as you're approaching and as you're thinking about selling, think about sales in a little different term. Think of it in terms of serving, serving your audience, serving others that could really benefit from the stories that you have to share, whether they be fiction, nonfiction, ultimately those stories are going to impact and it's giving you the opportunity to share your gift. So I really look at it in terms of reframing it. And when you really believe in what you're doing, allow yourself to think about that as you're going on your sales journey and just start to reframe sales. And in addition to thinking in terms of sales like serving, I would also encourage you to write down what really comes to mind consciously and even unconsciously about what you think about sales. So when you think about what does sales mean to me, write that question down in handwriting, like actually handwrite that out and then write down, maybe take five minutes or so and list out all the things that sales means to you. And once you start to recognize all the things that you say about sales, see how you might be able to rewrite the story. I mean, how appropriate is it that your audience is a writers, they're writers. So rewriting your story about what sales really is could really make a huge impact. The first thing is though, you've got to have that first draft. That first draft of what you think about sales will be what you create and then create the second version of it and the third version of it and the fourth version of it. So you could finally get to the edited copy of what sales means to you or isn't a dirty word or an icky word. (laughs) I love that. And you used all the right words, icky. They talk about it as being icky and salesy. But I love the idea of serving and having a gift and something of value that you can share with the world. It's funny when you said serve, what came to mind, one of my colleagues in the National Speakers Association always says, serve, don't shine, because often speakers want to shine when they're on stage. It's all about me. Obviously, our authors aren't necessarily quite like that necessarily, especially more of the introverted ones. But yes, writing their story of what they understand sales is, I love that. I love that. And maybe, maybe that's a great entree into the next idea. I know you talk about having a consistent sales message, but how would we even come up with that sales message? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, one of the first things that I had to do as I left my corporate job, as you heard in the intro there, I left my corporate job and then I started up my own business and my own coaching business to offer sales training to to various companies. And as I did that, I would go out and I would say this one thing to one person and then another thing to another person. There was an event that I went to every Thursday. And six months into it, there was someone that came up to me and they said, Mark, we see how committed you are to coming here. And at the same time, we also, we still have no idea what you do. I'm like, how don't you know what I do? But At the same time, what ended up happening was I realized how many different ways I was saying the same thing. And so that greatest lesson, right, quote unquote failure, i.e. lesson in my world, I ultimately came up with a solution to figure out some strategies on doing that. And there's some things that um, I'll be able to share later on with the listener of there's different things that I've put out there through my site that they could watch where I talk about 
how do you come up with that consistent message? Because until you do, you will continue to struggle. It's crystal clear in your mind on what you do, yet you have to think about it in terms of someone who has just got done tweeting and checking out something on Facebook and then checking their email and doing this. And so their attention span is at an all-time minimal right at this point. How can you cut through that clutter in such a way that gives them a very simplified message to clarify? And it took me a little while to come up with a little bit of the formula there. And once I did, that same group that I met, I ended up on stage at one of their conferences and I was in front of 300 people that were in the crowd and 300 people online. And I was sharing with them what I call the home story. And the home story is really why you do what you do. And it's really your core message on why you're doing your day-to-day. And when you can resonate and when people can connect to that, you're helping them to relate to really that that bigger vision that you have in, in your store. What you really need to do is start capturing the different ways that you are saying what you're communicating to others out there and seeing how many different ways you're communicating that and also getting the feedback from when you're communicating. Just give an example, right? As you're out there talking and maybe you're at a networking event and someone asks you, what do you do? Well, you, you write. And, but what do you write? And then what are your books about? And the more you start to clarify and the more you start to explain what you do, see how people are responding back to you. Are they engaging? Are their eyes glazed over? What are some of those things that they're responding or communicating back to you? And then just like you know, any professional sports team or anything along those lines, they'll go back and they'll take a look at the game film. Well, while you're not necessarily going to be able to see a game film of that interaction, you could write down what are some of the things that really resonated. There was a time where I was explaining this one particular tool that I came up with called the Daily Dashboard. And as I was explaining it, I said, you know, it helps you with quarterly goals, monthly themes, weekly focus, and daily actions. So you could really manage your day. People are like, wow, I really like that. Well, I've been saying that for the last five years because someone said it a couple of years ago that they really liked it and multiple people said it. So it became part of my repertoire of how I explain what I explain in a very systematic way. So I would, again, just similar to what you're going to do with writing out your story, write out the things that you are currently saying and also see how people are responding back to it. So that way you're getting a little bit more of a gauge on the efficiency of that response, because if you keep saying it and people aren't necessarily wanting to learn more or engaging you to understand it further, then you might need to just go back and retweak it. And once you have it written down, then you could go back and adjust it and and modify it so that it can start to appeal because... And quite frankly, in a lot of sales, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of things that you say that don't work. And then ultimately, there's one thing that you do. And that's what you want to start saying again and again and again, almost ad nauseum. At the same time, every time you say it, you want to say it with the same level of enthusiasm as if you're saying it for the first time. So a couple of things. One of them is the fact that you even said that whole idea of, well, what's your book about if you were to tell somebody And often the authors who come to me is a question I always ask, and they really cannot give me a sort of two sentence Mm -hmm. description of what the book is about. And they're talking for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I hate to say it, but sometimes my eyes do glaze over because it's like, okay, well, what's it really about? 
and they often don't know. So I think this is a very valuable exercise that you're encouraging them to do is synthesizing, you know, those words and, as you said, trial and error. And something else you said about the idea of saying it again and again, I've made the mistake and maybe you have, but I get bored with my own stuff. So that's why I keep saying it in different ways. And then people come back and say, well, what do you really do? I don't know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've had that happen to me many times. I think we're leaning into the whole idea of mistakes. You've given us a few. How about more mistakes we should be aware of? In sales, we can get so caught up in what we have to do each and every single day with our business that we neglect doing some of the most important things. And I'll say in terms of my business, what I would tend to do is I would get caught up in creating some of the products or the processes and not necessarily worry so much about the sales. After 2008, I was affected pretty substantially with how I felt about sales. And therefore, I wanted to avoid sales. So I decided to go into business for myself. (laughs) That wasn't the best idea because I was so afraid of being called out on not being at budget like I had been called in 2008 because all of my clients that I had been serving prior to that, the budgets were adjusted and drastically reduced. I had gone from being a top performer to being someone at 50% of budget and my worth felt just like it. Therefore, I had this stigma about sales and what I can do or how that I I couldn't be a good salesperson. And so I created that story. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to give that as an example to rewrite your story so that you can believe it as a great sales piece. I'm saying and I'm explaining all of that to say that when I got started my business, I did everything but sales because I wanted to avoid it at all costs. I would say one of the biggest mistakes that we can all get caught up in is making that extra revision because we know a book is never done, right? A a piece is never done. Even an email could never be done. Well, hopefully not an email essentially, but you could constantly keep refining and refining and refining and refining. And if you keep refining, you're not going to go out there and do the things that you need to be able to generate the sales for you and your business. I would say not setting aside time for selling is one of the largest mistakes that I made in the very beginning because I was looking at sales as a scary thing and as a bad word and as something that I didn't want to participate in. As the listeners are really listening, just be super honest with yourself and think about, are you spending the time that you need to in sales? I'm not saying you've got to spend eight hours a day in sales. So hear me in that because that's just unrealistic. At the same time though, how could you spend the right amount of time, even if it's 30 minutes a day that you carve out or an hour a day or two hours a day that you're spending on selling and reaching out to people or sending emails or following up with people. Really, that to me felt like one of the biggest mistakes that I made because I wanted to avoid sales at all costs. And it ended up costing me a lot of money because when sales aren't coming in, you're not generating revenue. That's a big, hopefully a mistake that I made that others can learn from. Now you call yourself a sales efficiency expert, or I gave you that title, which I really like, and I think you do too. (laughs) Um, Thank you. (laughs) Let's talk about time management because it is something that we all have to consider. I mean, we've only got a limited number of days or hours in a day, 
how do we allot a certain amount of time? What kind of time management as it relates to sales and marketing? What's some advice you can give us? Beautiful question. And I think this is so appropriate. And there's a great book out by Gary Keller called uh, The One Thing. I really listened to it about two years ago on Audible. And it's a wonderful book. And it talks about focusing on the one thing. And life can get very busy. Our business can get very busy with things that can occupy our time. And we can see as though many things are priorities. The main thing, though, is just like I was explaining and sharing about just the making sure that you don't make the mistake of not focusing on sales. I really encourage each person that sales is the lifeblood of an organization and to not spend time and unmovable appointment with sales each day is critical. And again, I suggest starting out small before you open up your email, before you do this, or however you need to do this for you. I encourage a lot of my clients to do this. How many hours can you commit to dedicating to sales? And that could be 30 minutes a day, could be an hour a day, could be an hour and a half a day. And what I then encourage them to do is put that as though it was an appointment with someone else and you wouldn't want to be late to it and you wouldn't want to miss that meeting. That's the type of thing that you'll want to do. And that's the encouragement piece of how can you take all of the complexity of business, the complexity of life and focus on the priority. If there's not enough revenue coming in, sales needs to continue to be focused on. So I would say the biggest thing is putting it on your calendar as an unmovable appointment. And it's just something that you do. You don't have to think about it when you wake up. You know that when you turn your computer on, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to open up the emails of people that you need to reach out to or the phone calls that you need to make or the contacts that you need to make through LinkedIn or the tweets that you need to send or the Facebook posts that you need to mention, whatever that is for you. And sales is varied now. It's not all cold calls anymore. <laughs> I recognize Thank goodness. that. Thank goodness. Yes, thank goodness for so many people. Actually, it's weird. I actually don't mind cold calls. <laughs> so that's a whole other side. We're not going to go into that that realm here. And the thing, though, the tip that I would share and recommend from a time management perspective is really putting in those buckets and those priorities as the big rocks in your day that need to be filled, that need to be put in first, and then the rest of your day can be filled out. Because, quote unquote, fires are going to happen, right? There's going to be things that are going to attend to your needs there that you'll need to attend to. At the same time, if you do 30 minutes of sales before that, or if you don't know that they are a fire at that time, because they were a fire maybe at two o'clock in the morning, another 30 minutes is not going to make, again, I say it with this with all discretion as well. You obviously have to be you know, the manager of your own business and understand what's hypercritical and, and whatnot. And I, I know that there are certain things that need to supersede others. I'm not also obliged to saying that it can't be adjusted. But at the same time, I like to develop those habits. What I'm really getting to with all of these statements is, is to get to a habit that you feel that you're working on the top priorities and they become part of your day. And it's not something that you have to schedule in. It's already there. And you know that you're going to be working on those particular activities on a particular day and go from there. I'll just have one other caveat or I'll share one extra piece to that. Uh, Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Square and um, there's another company. So he manages two companies. And I heard about 
how he manages his days. He spends eight hours in one company and eight hours in another company. And what he does is he schedules his days for sales days on Monday, marketing days on Tuesday, finance days on Wednesday. I may have those days incorrect, but you get the idea. And what it allows him to do is if he's got to have a sales meeting or sales focus, he's now this is the CEO of two large companies. He has all of those meetings set on that particular day. And you don't necessarily need to go to that extreme of setting up a whole day on sales or a whole day on marketing or a whole day on finance. How can you do that within specific buckets of time in a day or on specific days so that, it, again, it becomes part of your sales habit so that as you begin to develop a habit, you start developing the habits of the things that are going to make the prioritization of your business move forward so you can really increase the sales the way that you are hoping that to achieve so that you can impact and serve others and serve more. I love that idea of the scheduling and something that I've learned quite recently is exactly that is I schedule my morning is mine. I don't want to touch email if I can help it. And I do any reading, any writing, phone calls, whatever needs to be done before I look at email. That's a great tip. And also, interestingly enough, my podcast schedule, in the beginning, I left that wide open so guests could mm-hmm. book any time. Now, I've allotted certain days and certain times that I will do podcast interviews. And that's made all the difference in terms of having certain days free and certain days that are my podcast interviewing days. I love that. Excellent. Thank you. And to just build on that, just for one other second too, I, I hear so often, so many people say that they're great multitaskers. And I have uh, actually attended someone, uh, a speaker by the name of Dave Crenshaw, and he wrote a book called The Myth of Multitasking. And in it, he gives this example of, and everyone who's listening can go through this. So if you think you're a multitasker, I'm going to challenge you. And you're not going to necessarily like the results of of (laughs) this little exercise that he did. But basically, if you write out A through Z and 1 through 26 and time yourself, you'll time yourself at a certain rate. If you then have to go and do A1, B2, C3, D4, E5, F6, you can start to hear me. I mean, I've done this enough that I could kind of explain that. But ultimately, you start to get to a certain point where you have to start really thinking. And you have to think, okay, which part of the alphabet am I on? And which number am I on? And you slow down. Versus when you're in A through Z, you're, you just know, you know the alphabet, you know, one through 26, very easy. And it's the same thing. You are batching your days of podcasts. When you're on your podcast day, you're on podcast mode. So you're in interview mode, you're in conversation mode, you're in question mode versus, you know, you trying to do a podcast then you trying to answer an email and then you trying to write a chapter in a book and then you trying to write a blog and then you trying to make a phone call to make a sale. I mean, that's the A1, B2, C3. The idea there is really sound in the sense of we think that we can multitask and we really can't because what you're doing is you're switch tasking and you're going and your mind is saying, okay, now I've got to switch from this to this. And we can do this very quickly, yet it's not as efficient. And the work that you produce, it doesn't yield nearly as much. I would imagine, you know, right now, not only do you feel more efficient, you also feel as though those calls those podcasts are that much more aligned with you because you're now in that mode. 
Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And it's very hard, though, to tell somebody who believes multitasking is possible (laughs) that it really isn't their best work. But that's a whole other <laughs> I know. I maybe shouldn't have gone there, but I did. <laughs> but I know there are people going through my mind now. I'm like, oh no, they won't even listen to me. Mark, if our listeners wanted to find out more about your services, how could they do that? Oh, beautiful. Thank you. They could visit my website, markchamnick.com. That's M A R K J A M is in Michael, N is in Nicholas, I K.com. I have a lot of different resources on there. There's a tab for resources. I've done a lot of different videos along the way. And I mentioned the daily dashboard. There's a tool there. I have an, a number of other things that uh, they can go and see and, and just really dig in a little bit more. Uh, if there's something in particular that I touched on today that you'd like some more information on, I encourage you to go there and, and check that out. Fantastic. And Mark, if you could leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? Great. And one other quick thing before that, uh, along the lines of my site, I'd also like to give your listeners a gift. And with that, there's a, a link that will be in the show notes if you're listening in your car, but it's markjamnick.com slash podcast gift, G-I-F-T. And what you'll be able to do there is it's um, a 10 question assessment for you to be able to look at where you are in your business and where you'd like to go. I encourage you to do that. This isn't for everyone. Now, when you go through these 10 questions, it's going to take some thought. You're going to get some clarification because it might help you clarify some of those things where you might not have thought about. That's the idea of some of the questions. And also, as a benefit for you going through and taking the time to go through that, I am going to personally read through them and give you a response and really give you some other additional questions for you to consider as well as also giving you some simple strategies that you could begin to apply to your business. So I encourage those that are are really interested in taking their sales to that next step and that next level to go fill that out. And I will give a custom response. This is going to be specifically geared for you and your business and how you answer the questions. I also want to just make that note. Fantastic. That's very generous. Wow. Listeners, take advantage of that. And now, if you could leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would it be? (laughs) Fantastic. I would really say, understand what your relationship is with sales. There's a great motivational sales trainer that I came across many years ago. He's since no longer with us. Uh, His name is Zig Ziglar. And he was a fantastic human being. And I learned a lot from him. He's got so many different quotes that I can go off on. The one that really always stood out to me was uh, the last four letters of enthusiasm are I-A-S-M. And what that really stands for is I am sold myself. Until you are sold yourself that you are a salesperson and you can sell and that the world needs what you have to offer, you're going to constantly be battling someone that doesn't want to buy what you have because you haven't sold it to yourself first. So that is the first place that I would begin. And I really wanted to give you that example to start so that you could start to see all the things that you are currently saying about yourself and how you can then start to reframe it in such a way where you can begin to have enthusiasm (laughs) about and being sold yourself on the things that you offer. That's really 
a really big, strong piece to use and really take to heart. And it's going to take time. And there's going to be a lot of no's before you get to a yes. And simply when you have that enthusiasm for yourself and what you offer, and you know that what you have, the world needs, you'll be able to endure those no's to get to those yeses. Wow. I must admit that brought tears to my eyes, Mark. First of all, I knew Zig. He used to be a member of the National Speakers Association, Mm -hmm. and I've met him several times. But I'd never heard that one. I've heard lots of Zig quotes, but I've never heard that one. Thank you for that. And thank you for being such a great guest and sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. Hi, it's Susan again with some more marketing tips. Let's be honest. If you're human, you have some kind of fear of something, be it fear of failure, success, being judged or looking stupid, fear of rejection or inadequacy. Fears come in all shapes and sizes and masquerade themselves in ways we often don't recognize. Don't beat yourself up. Know that you're in good company because everyone has a fear of something. In the case of sales and marketing and promoting your book, could you fear rejection? After all your hard work, you might feel inadequate to actually parade your masterpiece to the market. I'm not a psychologist, yet the way you approach marketing your book speaks volumes about you, your mindset, attitude, and fears. If you're holding yourself back with excuses, I invite you to look deeper to uncover what really inhibits your progress. If it's a lack of marketing knowledge, then keep listening to these weekly podcasts and marketing tips. There's no lack of information when you go searching for it. As you know, when you start delving into a subject, especially on the internet, you can easily get overwhelmed with all the information out there, not to mention getting sucked into buying umpteen tools that promise miracle solutions. Before you go in search of that miracle cure to your marketing conundrum, I recommend you be honest with yourself and ask what fear is standing in the way of your success. Until next time, keep exercising your marketing muscles.